Hello and good morning to you, my beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord. Of course, it's your brother, Pastor Chide Jacob, and let me welcome you to this week's episode of our ongoing fellowship with the world. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I had promised that in this month of March, I'm going to go back and look over again all that we have thought from January to this point. And that's what I'm going to do from Sunday. Uh, from Sunday is going to be again like the first service of the year so that we re-echo and re-emphasize the truth that has been given to us. And that is also important, like I mentioned during last Sunday's message, the word of God that comes to us is also direction for our lives. This is something that the Lord told me very early on when we began to preach this message. So he's not going to be unveiling Christ to us and then giving us directions from another angle. No, it is the same thing for he is the way, the truth and the very essence of life itself. That's who he is. So I'm going to do that. However, today I'm going to try to do a an uh, overview of the message of last Sunday because some of the things said um, were very deep, simple, but it was very deep. And uh, I hope you saw that even before I mentioned that this morning. Um, if you look at what is going on, you can see how God is really digging. That is like digging us in and into and into and into Christ over and over again. And that is very important and um, to note because we live in a world where a lie can easily become truth. A lie told over time can become truth. So today the church is somehow, in fact, the truth, the hard truth that when I say it or when someone mentioned it, it may offend a lot of people, but it's true because it causes offense does not mean it's not true. The truth, the reality on ground now is that most church people have no faith in Christ. Most church people have no faith in Christ. How do you know? If I was to preach sermons or preach a sermon that will exhort sin and magnify sin and magnify the weakness of man above the truth, Christ, if I was to preach sermons that magnify sin, magnify Satan, magnify problems, magnify witches and wizards, magnify them, magnify them to the point it looks like they are, they are mates with Christ. If I preach a sermon like that, they will tell me that this man preaches the raw truth. That's what they will say. They will say, this man is a preacher of truth. Nobody will, uh, you know, fight uh, me. Of course, I'll probably be having very many invitations to many churches now because that is their truth. What they call truth is when I magnify sin above Christ. And the place we read last Sunday in the book of Colossians chapter 2 tells, tells you that the work of Christ has made sin extinct. I hope, go back and look at the meaning of extinct, something that does not exist. So when I say they don't have faith in Christ, it will make sense to you. So if so, Christ has made something extinct. But if I lift that thing up above Christ, above the work of Christ, they will say this man preaches raw truth. That means if I preach sin, something that has made extinct, they will say this man preaches raw truth. Now, if I preach Christ the truth 
and magnify him above sin, magnify him above human weakness, magnify him above witches and wizards, above your village people. Uh, they will say, be careful, this man is preaching heresy. They will say, well, this man is preaching grace. Oh, this man, be careful about this man. So the truth becomes lie and the lie becomes truth. And because of these things, don't forget your spirit is molded by words. And because of these things, said over and over again, it starts to become their experience because it's their experience is not from. Let me give you another example. I'm sure if you have been in some of these religious gardens, I've been there sometimes when you hear people say something like, uh, I mean, of course, I mentioned this last Sunday, when you hear people say something like, uh, you know, there is no testimony without a test because test comes before testimony. Look at that. That is nursery rhyme. That is nursery rhyme. That understanding, right? That interpretation comes by splitting an English word into two parts, test and testimony. So because test comes first, there must be a test before a testimony. I'm sure you have heard them say, well, there is no glory without a story. That is rap. That is how rappers sing. That is rap. Like there's no glory without a story. There's no high without a low. That is rap. Now, but watch this. Now, I might say these things. I want to let you understand how dangerous these things are. Now, watch this. You sit in a place. Don't forget what I told you this morning. Your spirit is molded by words. You stay in a place where they say these things over and over and over again. Your spirit absorbs it, right? Your spirit absorbs that light that there's no testimony without a test. And so, subconsciously, in your thoughts, in your imaginations, you are expecting that for you to get something good, bad must first come first. You must first experience a test or a trial or a suffering before you eventually get to your glory. Before you eventually, you are praying for that. You are expecting that. Subconsciously, you have been wired to expect that a trial must come before you get something good. And watch what happens. Because that is what you are praying. That is what you are expecting. Notice in your conscious mind, though, you are praying for blessing, though, you are praying for breakthrough, you are praying for good things, though, but subconsciously, deep within your heart, deep within your spirit, you are expecting, you are expecting and praying subconsciously that a test must come before a testimony. And guess what? That becomes your experience. That becomes your reality. Now, you now go into another level of bondage because not only did you hear this thing, not only did you believe it, now it is also your experience. That is why when you hear a man says otherwise, you want to kill that man because you think that that man is a liar. Because your lie has become your truth. Your truth has become your reality. And then you start to teach this same thing to your children. You start to teach this same thing to the people around you. You start to tell, but it began from a nursery rhyme, which is a lie. There must be a test, there must be a test before a testimony comes. Don't forget what I'm telling you this morning. Your spirit is molded by words. When it's molded with a lie like that, you absorb it. You start to project it. It becomes your experience. Now that it's your experience, it's even hardened more. You are now in more difficult bondage. That to save you is harder. Because when you hear a man say something, a conflict, and when I say, well, you can get a testimony because Jesus has died for you, they say, no, that man is a liar. Why? Because I know, I know, because uh, before a testimony comes, there must be a test. Not only, even in my own life, self, I've proven it even in my own life. Question, 
Was it supposed to be so? That's the question you ask yourself. Now, you will notice what I said now. If you sit down now and think about majority of the testimonies that you hear in church, it follows this pattern. There was always a trial before, before something. Oh, everybody got admission, but I could not get admission. I fought for admission for eight years. I prayed. I fasted. When everybody got, I did not get. Finally, I just came and then God did it for me. That is after eight years of trial, of test. Why? That's what you have believed. Don't forget what I said. Every knowledge a man receives and consumes, that man becomes. The third testimonies, ah, when I graduated, my other people graduated and got a job immediately. But my own, eh, ah, I fasted, I sowed seed, I did this one, I did that. After I have done that for five years and I got the job, praise be to God. They will say, hey, you see, now a lie becomes a truth. Truth becomes reality. Friend, that's why I tell you. I say these things because you can, you can relate. You can relate. Look at your own life. Look at what you heard. Look at what I'm telling you now that most testimonies you hear in church follow this pattern. There's always a test. There's always a problem. There's always a confusion. And then finally, finally. Why? Because that's what has been projected into our spirit. Was it meant to be so? So if I come and tell you that, oh, I know somebody has been tested for me. Somebody has been tried for me. His name is Christ. Now I live in his glory. He has suffered for me. Because he has suffered for me, he has made available his glory. I live in his glory. They say, well, that, that man is preaching easy believing gospel. That, that man is preaching a lie. Why? Because it contradicts to a lie that has become a truth in their lives. Beloved, again, I hope this opens your eyes further and further. And thirdly, did you notice that because you have believed that there must be a test before any testimony. Did you notice that you never took responsibility? You never considered whether maybe the choices you made, maybe how you, you will never consider that there was, maybe you played a role, maybe you made the wrong choices. I'm not blaming you, I'm just trying to tell you, you never take responsibility for anything because after all, that's how God is, that's how God is. He must first give you a test before you get something out of him. And guess what? Perhaps you keep repeating the same errors over and over again. For, don't forget, beloved, the message God gives to you and I is freedom. When a man hears it, freedom comes to his heart. When a man hears it, he, he understands. He has a better understanding of who God is and how God works. Praise God. Amen and amen. I put that as a foundation this morning before I recall the key thing that I shared with you last Sunday by the Spirit of God. And then if you look up, I never heard that before. Never thought about that. But I'm not surprised because what is God doing? God is digging you and I deeper, deeper that our faith will be in no one and nothing else but Christ. We have always talked about, oh, John 3, 16, for whosoever believed shall not perish. What does he mean to believe? Jesus calls himself the, the way, the truth, and the life. What is that truth that it is? What is that way that it is? When Jesus calls himself the truth, of course, I explained to you now, the truth it doesn't necessarily mean the opposite of lie. Of course, generally, that's what it means. But in spiritual terms, truth is reality. When Jesus says, I am the truth, what he's saying is that I am the reality of God. Think about it. What is that reality of God that Jesus is? What is that reality of God that no man knew 
before Jesus came. What is that explanation of God that nobody had an idea before Jesus came? What is that manifestation of God that nobody had any idea before Jesus came? Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, it is God in a man. That is the thing that Jesus represented that nobody else knew. Nobody, nobody understood that. Nobody even thought about that. That God is in a man. That's the reality because Jesus was the God-man. God living in a human form. God in a human form is the truth that Jesus is. To believe into Jesus is not to believe about the name of a man called Jesus who died 2,000 years ago. That is, that is history. To believe into Jesus is to believe the truth that he represents. What is that truth? God in a human form. That is it, friends. That this God, don't forget, truth is reality. Like I explained to you now, truth is experience. So when Jesus says, I am the truth, what he's saying, I am the experience of God. I am the reality of God. So this God that you have been imagining has eyes like fire. You've been imagining how, you know, uh, he's a, 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 a old man with bald head, white beards. His eyes, fire is coming out of his eyes. His nose is, is as big as uh, the biggest mountains in the world. Um, you know, his throne. All that imagination, he said, no. God, here is God come down in human form. God in a man is the truth that Jesus brought to us. People called God all kinds of names. The only thing that, and it's still the same, the same challenge today. The truth, don't forget beloved, the truth that Jesus brought for you and I is to tell us God in human form. God manifesting in human form. Because this is what God always wanted. Why did he create Adam in human form? Isn't that the reason? Isn't that the reason that the Spirit of God is in a man, but that man is God, but in human form? That man has flesh. Isn't that the purpose for why, why he created Adam and Eve? That they would be God, sons of God who are tangible, sons of God who are physical, sons of God who are real. You can touch them, you can see them. And so that when you see this man manifest as God, you believe. So the love of God cannot be tangible because it is expressed through a man. The kindness of God is not something we sing about. Oh God, how kind are you? That kindness is manifested in man. I hope this makes sense to you, beloved brothers and sisters. I hope this this gives you another deeper meaning. When we say believe, you know, we are not just believing in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That is a name. That is a town. No, we are believing in the truth that Jesus represented. And what is that truth? God in human form. Well, where we read Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 talks about that. Everything that is God, the completeness of deity. The other translation said the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily, bodily, dwells in human form in God. Remember, this thing I'm saying now, if you followed carefully, God has been laying this foundation for us. I hope you understand that. Think about it. It's easier to believe now because some foundations concerning this matter has been laid over and over again. Remember, I told you that it is easier for man to believe up than to believe down. Didn't I tell you that? It's easier for man to believe a God in the sky, a God he cannot see, rather than to believe the God that he sees. It's easier to believe 
believe what your physical eyes can see than what your spirit mind can see. It's easy to believe that God is righteous, but almost impossible for you to believe that you are righteous. But how can you be unrighteous when your father, the one that you are taken out of, is righteous? And then, the assignment for everybody. I highly encourage you, beloved brothers and sisters. I highly, highly encourage you. to. You know I've given this assignment before, right? Yes, I have. Take Colossians chapter 2. Read all. Read all. Colossians chapter 2. Read all. Just dip in and read all. Read the old translations. Then go back and take the TPT and chew on it over and over and over again. Because what that place contains is the truth, is the revelation. Because it did not only tell us that Christ, the fullness of the Godhead, dwells in Christ. The next line tells you that that is also our reality. He say our own completeness is now found in his own, in him, in his own completeness. That's where my completeness is found. Okay? My completeness is not found outside. It's not found in my culture, in my tradition, in my education. No, it's found. My completeness is found in Christ, in whom is the fullness of deity dwelt in, in a human form. That's where my completeness comes from. And then the Bible now goes to explain to you how this was achieved, how this was done, how you and I have been retired. We are dead to Adam and his system. We are alive in Christ. That if you can hold this truth, everything starts to change. And then suddenly, like what I just explained to you now, all the lies that has held you bound, you are loosed from them. Don't forget in the New Testament, deliverance come by the truth. Jesus said what? You shall know what? The truth. And that truth will set you free. Praise God. Amen and amen. Look at it. Look at it. Is it not even true? Even in every other aspect of our lives? For example, look at our health. Look at our health. What is the major problem confronting people's health? It's lies. We have been fed lies. We don't know what our body needs, so we eat what our body doesn't need, right? So they, they, then they lie to us. They say the way to cure sickness, it must be medication, 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 medication. And I was I was telling somebody the other day, think about it, think about it. And so they, you get this medication, and then this medication has side effect. What they call side effect is that the medication you are taking is giving you another sickness. But they don't call it sickness. They call it side effect. What is side effect? It's another sickness. Now, don't worry. I'm not saying I'm not saying this that, that you should throw away your medication, but I'm telling you, first of all, let your mind change. Let your mind change. I believe strongly, just because I mentioned this, let me balance this before people take what I'm saying out of con out of context. I believe solidly that medication has a place in, in all these things. I believe that. But to tell us that that is the only way is just simply not true. Because we are finding out more and more historically how this is going to. So you find out that at the end of it all, in every aspect of our life, whether it is spiritual, whether it is in our body, whether it is emotionally, whether it is materially, whether it is money, what we need is the truth. To know the truth about wealth, to know the truth about money. I was telling them the other day, it is the poor man that thinks that the only use of money is to buy things. To get things. So when you hear someone like me talking about money, you think I'm talking about money to buy things. 
No, may the Lord give you understanding. And I kept telling them in that service, I'm not going to tell you. Go and find out yourself. If you're thinking that the only reason we're talking about money is so that we can buy things and do that, you don't need to be wealthy to buy a house. You don't need to be wealthy to buy a car. But money has another purpose. And when you start to see that your heart will, will enlarge more and more, praise God. Again, beloved, don't forget, I've laid this foundation this morning to tell you two things. That in most cases, what we need is the truth. That truth is light when it comes. Whether it is in my health, your health, whether it is in marriage, in relationship, in finances, in our relationship with God, all we need is the truth. And that is why God is digging you and I intentionally. Follow the message. You will see that God is intentionally digging you and I into our faith in Christ so that our faith is deepened over and over and over again. A lot has been said, but what I'm telling you now is another dimension that opens your eyes to know why your faith in Christ will be deepened. Don't forget, you don't have to struggle to have faith. If you open up your heart to the gospel, your faith will be imparted in your heart. Praise God. Amen and amen. I'm going to stop here this morning. And of course, come back to you again by the grace of God tomorrow in the spirit of Christ that will continue. Do me a favor. Share the message as much as you can. There is somebody you know who is suffering today because he has accepted the Nazareth lie, the Nazareth rhyme, that a testimony must, there must be a suffering before a testimony comes. In fact, that is the idea of God he has. Send this message across to many people and let it begin to set them free. Praise God. Amen and amen. This might be the most important gift you will give to somebody this year. For when we set the, when we set the spirit of men free, oh, they can, they will thrive. They will do much better in every aspect of their life. All right. Enjoy your day. Done this morning. You have been served. Shalom.